Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the genealogical records as we pick up in Genesis chapter 4, verse 14. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The genealogical records that are given to us in the Bible are not at all complete. The Lord is interested really in only one genealogical line, and that is the line that comes from Abraham through David to Christ. None of the rest of them are really important. Some of the families are followed for a little while just to give you sort of a brief historic background to show you areas of the world that were populated by certain people, descendants of certain people. But they'll only trace other lines for just a short way. It cuts off, and the basic line that we are going to follow is the line that will lead from Adam to Abraham, from Abraham to David, and from David to Jesus Christ. After Jesus Christ, genealogical records are of no value. We don't need them anymore. The only value of holding or maintaining a genealogical record is to bring it down to Jesus Christ so that when he is born, it will be proved that God fulfilled his promise to David and to Abraham that through thy seed shall the nations of the world be blessed. And so Adam and Eve had sons and daughters that aren't even listed. Their names aren't even given. As we get into the fifth chapter and we find a genealogical chart, it names just one son because we're only following one line as it will bring us ultimately to Abraham. They had many other children. It says they had sons and daughters. But we're only interested in one family line, the one that will bring us to Abraham. We're not interested in all of the sons and daughters that they may have had. Now, at the time that Cain killed his brother Abel, they were probably 120 years old at this point. And by this time, there were no doubt many other brothers and sisters, children of Adam and Eve who no doubt had their children, who had their children. He could have married a cousin. He could have married uh, or a niece on down the line. There are, there are many possibilities. The Bible doesn't trace and isn't interested in tracing all the families of men, just the one line to bring us to Abraham in order that we might come to Christ. And so he could have married a sister. In the beginning, there would have been a much purer strain There could have been intermarriage between brother and sister without a a genetic foul-up, which would exist today in close intermarriage uh, because of of the whole scheme of things that has, you know, deteriorated down through the years. You're not nearly as healthy as was Cain and Abel and their brothers and sisters. At 120 years, they were just starting. I'll never get that far. 
But they lived to be 900 years old, 930, 960, and so forth. And so there was a much purer strain at the beginning. He could have easily married his sister. There's really no problem with uh, Cain finding a wife and marrying her. Now, for a moment, we're going to follow Cain's descendants. But there's no sense of carrying them out very far because his descendants were all destroyed in the flood. And so you'll start out with a new race after Noah. But we'll follow them for just a moment here in chapter 5. We'll trace them for a little way. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And Cain built a city and named it after Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begat Mahujiel, Mahujiel begat Methusiel, Methusiel begat Lamech, and Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the other was Zillah. Ada bare Jabal, who was the father of such who dwell in tents, and of such who have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such that handled the harp and the organ. So we see uh, the early development of instruments. And Zillah bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artifice, artificer in brass and iron. So really it is interesting that iron appeared in an antediluvian age, before the flood. They had already begun to use iron, so it developed certain smelting methods. Now, it is interesting that even till the time of David, Israel had not advanced to an iron age. Many of their enemies would come in with iron chariots, and Israel was always at a great disadvantage. Uh, it wasn't really until about the time of Solomon that they really began to smelt copper and, and come into a, uh, a, a use of metals. Uh, but uh, Israel was, was slow in, in the development of metals. But here, in an antediluvian age, they were using brass and iron, which, of course, is very interesting. And the name of his sister was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Or I have a young man who was seeking to wound me, trying to hurt me. I've killed him. It was a thing of self-defense. If Cain shall be avenged seventyfold or sevenfold, Truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. And so uh, Lamech told his wife, a young man was trying to hurt me. He was seeking to wound me. I killed him. And if, if Cain is going to be avenged seven times, I ought to be avenged seventy times seven. Interesting figure because I heard that again someplace. When Peter said to the Lord, how often shall I forgive a brother trespass? Till seven times? The Lord said, not seven times, 70 times seven. And Adam knew his wife again. 
and she bare a son. Now this was after the killing of Abel, but they no doubt had other many children in the meantime. And she bare a son and called his name Seth, which means appointed. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So originally it would have been perhaps that through Abel it would have come, but now God has appointed another seed, Seth, and from Seth, of course, we will follow down to Abraham. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And then men began to call upon the name of Jehovah, or Yahweh. Now, chapter 5, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And as you read these generations of Adam, and as it lists them for us, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam, Ish, in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and twenty years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. So you see, Seth, Adam was a hundred and twenty years when Seth was born, so it means that Cain was probably in his late hundred teens. And... Uh, <laughs> When he killed his brother, that would have given opportunity for to marry a 90-year-old sister, you know. There'd be no problem there at all. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And the days of Adam that he lived were 930 years, and he died. Prior to the flood, man's life expectancy was much greater. They lived almost for a millennium. Methuselah came the closest, 969 years. But it would seem that the earth was protected by this moisture blanket prior to the flood and that the climactic conditions of the earth were vastly altered from what they are today. It's easy and interesting to conjecture what a great moisture blanket around the earth would do as far as the earth's temperatures in a equalizing of the earth's temperatures as well as the way that the, the earth would be watered with this great moisture blanket and also the protection that it would afford to cosmic radiation. We know that just a little ozone gas in the stratosphere filters out much of the ultraviolet rays of the sun. If that ozone blanket, which of course stretches out for several miles, it were, were all compressed, it would only be three millimeters thick. So there's not much ozone out there protecting you and, and really sustaining your life forces here upon the earth. Now we do know that at one time the earth did have a much milder climate. Of course, there's also that constant... Uh, decreasing of the electromagnetic field around the earth. If the electromagnetic field has been decreasing at a constant rate since the time of Adam, the 
electromagnetic field would have caused the temperature of the earth, the mean temperature of the whole earth to be much warmer than it is now. In fact, if the decrease of the electromagnetic field as has been measured for the last 136, seven years, if that is true, a constant factor and has been for 6,000 years, it would have made a vast difference in the, again, the shielding of the earth from cosmic radiation because much of the cosmic radiation is reflected or bounces off of this electromagnetic field. And also, it would create a, a heat, but if you would take it back as much as 25,000 years, the electromagnetic field around the earth would have been so strong that the earth's temperatures would be about 200 degrees Fahrenheit. If you would take it back 50,000 years, the electromagnetic field would be so strong around the earth that the earth's temperatures would be so high the earth would be in a molten state. So, the scientists who believe in evolution had to do some fast thinking. They say that figures don't lie, but liars sure can figure. <laughs> and they had to figure something out for this one. And so they've come up with a very interesting theory that every 5,000 years or so, by some mystical magic way, hocus pocus, dominocus, <laughs> the electromagnetic field gets recharged. Now they don't know how, but just every 5,000 years or so, the thing gets recharged, new burst of energy, and then it starts declining again. It's interesting to watch them as they try to make the facts fit their theories. And sometimes they really do some real dishonest juggling. Now, as we go through these genealogies here in the fifth chapter, if you'll take a pencil and paper sometime and figure it out, you'll find some interesting things. Number one, that Noah's father lived at the same time that Adam was still living. So Noah wasn't that far removed from Adam. His father was still alive while Adam was alive upon the earth. Another interesting thing is that Methuselah died in the year of the flood which makes very possible that Methuselah himself was destroyed in the flood. In the genealogical records, there is one exception to the whole thing, and he died, and he died, and he died, until we get down to Enoch. And it says, and he was not, for God took him. And so Enoch breaks the chain. Enoch was a man of faith. He lived only 300 and some years walking with God. And Enoch walked with God, a man of faith, and he was not for God took him. Again, we have an interesting commentary on Enoch in the New Testament, book of Hebrews. By faith, Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. 
But before God took him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a glorious testimony. May that be the testimony of each of our lives, that we pleased God. God said concerning his son at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus said, I do always those things that please the Father. In Revelation, we are told that God has created all things and for his pleasure they are and were created. That includes you. But then Hebrews goes on to tell us, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we please God by our trusting him. God is pleased when you put your trust and you commit yourself to him. And so through chapter 5, you can work things out if you like. But now here's an interesting thing, you see. Where did, where did all of these records come from that Moses got together when he wrote this book? Writing was invented very early in the history. Prior to the writing, it came by verbal tradition. Adam no doubt told his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandsons, great-great-grandsons, great-great-great-grandsons. He lived a long time. He had an opportunity to tell him. And, and for a hundred years, Lamech could have sat, sat on Adam's knee, but he probably would only have done it for a few years. But at any rate, uh, he could have sat at Adam's feet while Adam rehearsed for him the whole experience of the garden. You see, he could have heard it directly from Adam. And then he told his son Noah, who also shared it with his son Shem, and Shem was still alive when Abraham was born. So in reality, you have a link between Adam and Lamech, crossover link. Lamech then telling his son Noah, and Noah sharing with his son Seth, and Seth sharing with Abraham. Now, it is true that there are other records of the flood in Babylon, Egypt, India, other accounts of creation. Most of them are gross type of exaggerated accounts. Some of them are very parallel to the biblical account. Some of them appearing in historic documents that some of the scholars say antedate the Bible. But does it disprove the Bible because the Indians have an account of the flood and the Inca Indians have an account of the flood and the Babylonians have an account of the flood and the Egyptians have an account of the flood. Does that disprove the Bible? No. What does it prove? It proves the common origin of man. The stories being modified, changed, and amplified in many cases 
as they were spread from word to mouth and went to different areas after the Tower of Babel when men were scattered abroad upon the earth. But the common origin of man would then have a creation story in each of the ethnic groups. It doesn't at all disprove the biblical account, but only substantiates and proves the common origin of man though the skeptics would like to try to twist the evidence to make it show that Moses was perhaps copying the Babylonian account or whatever, which is very far-fetched. Because if you compare the accounts, you will find that Moses, in his writing of the account, is far different from the Babylonian, which is a very exaggerated account indeed. So if you want to look at chapter 5 and look at their ages and figure out who was living when who was living and so forth, you'll find it interesting. But um, I, I don't get uh, too excited over genealogical records. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 4 through 5 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. And may you come into a deeper relationship of love, love for God and love for each other. And especially, may God give you a heart of praise and rejoicing so that your life might be pleasing to Him as you rejoice in the Lord always. God bless and God keep. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with Him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. 
I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. That moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat, and if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in His Word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.